Hello and welcome to the Brownstein Project. My name is Carlton. And I'm Carly. And we have a fantastic uh, speaker today um, who's going to be talking about his history and give you some top tips about the tourist attraction industry. So let me introduce you to Kingston. Hello, Kingston. Hi, how are you doing? I'm doing really well, thank you. All right, Kingston, can you just tell us a little bit of background about you, what you do, why you do it and that kind of stuff? Yeah, sure. So I'm Kingston Miles. I'm the Head of Commercial Development at English Heritage, um, which is a really exciting role focused on commercial growth. Um, so a really important time now um, for, for the heritage sector, for the tourism sector. Uh, I look after a number of different business areas, licensing, uh, hospitality, uh, holiday cottages and our commercial compliance and contracts. Um, I've been in the heritage sector for sort of, oh God, like four, just over four years now, I think three, four years. I've lost count. Um, time flies when you're having fun. Um, but yeah, and my background is not a traditional route into heritage. Um, so yeah, I, I came up through events, um, nightlife and hospitality and found a great home in the heritage sector where I could sort of use my skills to, to help the organization. Awesome. That sounds fantastic. So as we do with all our guests, um, we're going to do a quick icebreaker with you. And Carly is going to be doing this. Um, yeah. So Carly, take it away. <laughs> I'm going to lead it because I, I need to, these are desperately important questions, obviously, Kingston. So we're going to get to know you a bit better. Um, are you a morning person or an evening person? Oh, uh, probably a morning person. Oh, first one. Terrible. We've decided everyone is an is a evening person. So you've broken that one already. Oh, well. <laughs> <laughs> we'll, we'll Sorry. Allow it. We'll allow it. It's fine. Um, Simpsons or Family Guy? Oh, oh, the Simpsons. Oh, controversial. <laughs> Would you rather swim in a pool or swim in the sea? Oh, swim in a pool. Watch or play sports? Uh, play. What what sports would you play? Yeah, controversially, I'm really into bad playing badminton. Oh. which is the fastest racket sport in the world, might I add. Um, but yeah, and if not that, you know, a big, as Carlton and I spoke about before, a big fan of going to the gym when we're not in a variety of different lockdowns. So. <laughs> Excellent. Um, sweet or sour? Uh, sweet. And being too warm or being too cold, which would you prefer? Oh, being too cold. <laughs> and are you more of a zoo person or an aquarium person? Uh, I'd say the zoo. Excellent. Well, thank you very much. I feel like we really know you now. We can probably end the interview here. Oh, right. See you guys later. <laughs> All right. See you guys. Bye bye. No, no, no. Not that easy. Not yet. Not yet. Not that mm -hmm. easy. All right. We're going to start with our questions to you. So, Kingston, what does a normal day at work look like for you at the moment? Um, it's it's going to sound cliche, but I don't think there is a normal. Um, and I don't think there's a new normal. I would say there's some really common themes around my work day, um, but the actual activity or the detail varies. So there's obviously, as I'm sure everyone else has said, um, a lot of checking of the emails and replying and filing emails, um, you know, lots and lots of Zoom calls and discussions sort of internally, externally around the world, which is, you know, really exciting. Um, and then I think, you know, the other, the other, thing that happens regularly in my my working day is you know overcoming challenges or hurdles and responding to kind of what's happening out there in the world um, for the business areas which I'm responsible for so 
you know, not too dissimilar to, to a work day before the lockdown with that sort of um, added curveball risk that, you know, we might see an announcement at five o'clock that will change all those plans we wrote sort of yesterday or the day before or that we're running to. So, so yeah, emails, Zoom and curveballs. <laughs> yeah, there's, there's nothing like a, a quick five o'clock announcement to ruin your week, right? <laughs> exactly. Or, or, you know, it's, or to motivate everyone into sort of a 5.30 Zoom or a 6 p.m. Zoom, just as yeah. you thought you were breaking for the weekend. So. Oh, bless you all. Oh. Um, that's, I mean, that sounds hectic. And I think everybody will, will have a, a degree of sympathy for those kinds of days. But um, what was your most memorable day at work ever? What's the one that sticks out? Ever, ever, probably, probably all the way back um pre pre heritage uh pre hospitalities and nightlife 16 year old kingston got a job at curry's pc world um and i'll never forget i was training with two other guys um and we did this sort of classroom day before you could sort of be let loose on the sales floor and i remember the store manager john um being like okay like you guys really want to go out there and sell and he hit us with these quick fire questions you know how much is standard delivery on this appliance how much is it for this to be installed you know how do i check stock of that and to be honest the three of us had no clue whatsoever you know it was you could almost write it as a it was a typical trio of salesmen we were like oh yeah you know somewhere around this point and that point and i, I think it stuck with me because it was it was the first um you know, moment, you know, in that first ever job where you're really in an environment where you don't know everything and you have to remember to really grasp the the basics of, of what you're doing, um, the knowledge behind sort of the task ahead of you and just take a moment to reflect and think it's okay not to have all the knowledge, but I need to get all of that knowledge before I run at it. And I'll just never forget being sent, being sent back 16 years old, sent back to the classroom, you know, try again, um, go, and, go and learn everything you need to know about the ins and outs of, of Curry's PC world. Um, and yeah, I think that, that that's one of the most memorable days that's definitely stuck with me. I love that story. It's like, you know, that, that first time you learn that you really just can't wing it. Yeah. <laughs> you know, I, and I'm a big fan of winging it. We, I think we can all agree, Carlton will tell you, yeah. I'm a big fan <laughs> of winging it. Um, but there are some times when you just, yeah, you really have to do your homework on it. That's brilliant. Yeah. And the, and the irony was, you know, you're coming out of a school environment where, you know, you can really just wing it, copy, paste, change the font. Thank you very much. Submitted um, into that sort of workplace where the information isn't, you know, you, you can't you can't Google the information. You really do have to learn it and know it and know your stuff. And I think that's stuck with me, you know, know your stuff. Awesome. Excellent. So you've had like a varied career path. And what I would love to find out is kind of how do you, um, kind of do self-development to yourself and kind of progress yourself into these these different roles so if you kind of walk us through kind of your, what, what you've done and just kind of give us some like top tips of how, how you've kind of moved up being at university and sort of having a wide variety of jobs while I studied I studied law um, in Oxford and um, also you know worked at events in hospitality businesses and nightclubs sort of the whole way through that um, from graduating up until sort of moving into heritage really was in that hospitality and that events sector in you know progressing management roles sort of chasing that next promotion um 
then came across to join the Ashmolean Museum in Oxford as head of visitor experience and then uh, got promoted to head of operations planning and commercial for the History of Science Museum um, and then obviously now head of commercial development for English Heritage you know one of the largest national sort of heritage organizations so I think you know there's always been an element of you know self-start behind that progression and, and that sort of internal fire but in terms of within those roles and like where I've stopped to think, how am I going to self-develop um, and what are my sort of top tips? And, and looking back, what, what did I do that got me to where I am? I think the, f the first one of those is, you know, never being afraid to, to, and it links back to really my most memorable day at work, never being afraid to learn something new or to try something new. Um, you know, gone are the days where you had to have a, a degree in everything to, to really have an understanding of it. Now you can really teach yourself um, the, the basics or enough to get by, enough to learn a new skill, be that something like Adobe InDesign or um, Illustrator um, or, or be that about sort of finance and accounting. So I think, you know, top tip number one for, for that sort of progression and moving through through the ranks and through different industries is is be willing to be willing to learn um, and embrace you know that sort of that no mentality um, top top tip number two is is um, is is kind of getting to the doing and and being really up for sort of being stuck into rolling up your sleeves and taking an active part in the challenge that you're trying to overcome and I think I always chuckle because, you know, when you run a, a nightclub and it's three o'clock in the morning and the toilet's blocked, you know, there's not a plumber pottering about to be able to help you. Can you, un can you unblock it? Um, or when you need to, to sort of grab a load of data and, and understand what it's telling you, you know, did you teach yourself how to use a pivot table and are you okay doing it? Because it might be Sunday afternoon and there isn't somebody in finance that can just, just pivot that for you and send it back. So, you know, being really willing to, to roll up your sleeves and get to the doing, it'll come as no surprise that my third tip is sort of that review and self-reflection and, and looking back. And I'm a big fan of no do and review. And I spoke, spoke to those points before. And I think it's, um, it's all too easy to, especially in the current climate to keep doing something new to keep you know learning more and keep doing more and that's really really you know that's, that's phenomenal everyone should do that you know points one and two but never forget point three you know stop and look back you know learn from what you've done you know, ask yourself did i achieve what i set out to achieve um could i have learned more could I have done something differently? Um, and if I was going to have another go at this task, if, you know, when my time comes to do this again, you know, be that every day because it's my job or be that every year because it's annual um, or be that on the ad hoc basis because it's a project, you know, what, what am I going to do differently? How am I going to, how am I going to approach this um, with everything I know now? Um, so yeah, no do and review, you know, those, those are, those are a motto that I really do live by, no pun intended. <laughs> that's a brilliant motto love that i do um, it's brilliant so i we have to we have to pedal back a second though you studied law at oxford <laughs> i studied law in oxford <laughs> i studied at oxford brooks uh, proud, proud oxford brooks alumni um so the yeah, I mean, at, I'm, I'm gonna say my my impressedness shall we I, I i can't think of a better word for that right now my impressedness was not at Oxford, but at the fact that you studied law. I mean, that's really interesting. What, what did, 
we we sometimes ask people what did they think they were going to do as kids um what what made you study law what did you think you were going to do with that do you know what the honest truth is I I thought I was going to be banging a gavel to to send people away or to to rule on sort of like you know guilty not guilty um, you know I order for the plaintiff you know too much Judge Judy clearly as a child like so um, but no I always I, I loved it you know I I'm, I remember growing up I was in the debating society I was you know mad into politics and. Um, you know, understanding the structure of our sort of constitution and how that varied and how it was sort of this, this unwritten mess of common law. And, and yeah, I always found that really, really interesting. Wow. Right, right up until actually studying it. Um, <laughs> and then realised that actually, you know, and I think it's, it's a bold move to say this isn't for me because, you know, an undergrad degree is three years. Then you go and do your your sort of um, your masters with a practice course, and then you do two years of training. You know, it's a good seven year. You know, it's it's almost like becoming a doctor, becoming a fully fledged sort of solicitor or a barrister on your own two mm. feet. So you've got to know when to quit. Um, and for me, it was you know graduating and then really, you know, again like reflecting back on what I'd learned at uni and thinking I've had some great careers and great wins here. There's a pathway for me somewhere else, and that's okay. And, and Curry's PC World slash nightclub managing. I mean, it's just way more interesting, right? That's... <laughs> yeah, I was just a super geek, 16 years old, you know, super geek, mad into technology, you know, really into gadgets and gizmos. And I worked at a Curry's PC World that was like 15 miles from my house. My mum had to drop me off. Like, I look back and I think what a hero she was really, you know, <laughs> basically driving me to and from work so that I could be a geek in a geek's paradise um and uh you know in and around studying at school and sixth form so yeah it's uh... shout out to all the mums for uh supporting career choices early on i think that's uh... yeah all the supportive parents you definitely know. <laughs> awesome um well thank you for that little uh sort of tangent because i just i find it fascinating to see what sort of people choose and, and where they end up because i think it's it's very yeah. rare that we find uh people that we're talking to who had a sort of definitive career and, and, and actually managed to, to sort of walk that path. You get distracted and, you know, it's nice. It, it should be an enjoyable process. Um, yeah. So with that in mind, what, what skills do you think are important for those people trying to get into the tourism industry? If you were to, you know, to, to talk to your 16-year-old self and say, these are the skills you're going to need and this is where it's going to lead you. Yeah, I think... Um flexibility is key you know there's all all the um all the interview buzzwords are essential you know tenacity enthusiasm flexibility i i think it's you know most important is is to not be afraid to take a leap of faith um and to really be confident in your own ability and your own skill set in the job that you want to do within the sector um you know, it's a sector that I think over over the past sort of five years, there's, there's always been uh, controversy. There's always been um, uh, challenges. It's, it's, you know, volatile, responsive to the, the economy. So you just have to be confident in yourself. You know, I know I can do this. I know that I have the, the skills and the passion and the drive to succeed. And I know I can add to our, our sector, to this part of the economy by being in it. So, you know, it might sound a bit sort of um, big, big, big dream, big Disney 
thesis, but but in reality, it is about believing in yourself. And I think that's the most important thing. I think in terms of practical skills, you know, beyond that sort of self-belief and that passion, I think you have to have a willingness to appreciate the, the tourism sector and particularly the heritage part of that is... Um, is a, a sort of a quasi sector in some sense, you know, elements of it are fully public funded, elements of it are fully commercial. And you really have to know and embrace the part of the sector that you're going to join and the nuances that come alongside that and things like decision making processes or, you know, the financial limitations on, on expenditure or state aid. You know, you really have to accept that it's not as cut and dry as a corporate commercial sort of, you know, corporate America business. Um, it's got its nuances and you have to be willing to find an organization um, with, which, which has the groove that you can fit into and that you're happy with and you understand and you appreciate that. So I've got another question for you, Kingston. And it's all basically talking about your, your experience and what advice were you given? So kind of the question is, um, what is the best career advice you've ever been given in your career so far? The best career advice I've, I've probably ever been given is never to quit, I think. And that I've watched and witnessed, you know, with my parents, you know, starting a small business, building a business, um, and then, you know, still having elements of that business now, sort of 20 years on, 20, 23 years on. I think it's from the people that I look to for inspiration um, within their own career paths, you know, all the, the big name inspirational celebrities um, and, and the lesser heard celebrities. You know, I was reading or listening to an audio book by um, David Goggins the other day, um, Can't Hurt Me, a phenomenal audio book. Um, it's about 15 hours long because it jumps in and out of conversation with, with the uh, narrator, David. And it just hammers home that, you know, your, your human mind and the human body is capable of achieving things far beyond the limit at which we first contemplate quitting or far beyond the limit of which we first contemplate giving up. So, you know, when you're 5,000 lines deep into a spreadsheet or you're hundreds of slides into creating a presentation, you know, wh whatever it may be relevant to, to, to the task at hand, your, your mind and your body can achieve so much more than where you first think of giving up and where you second think of you know second time round think of giving up and people that run a marathon um and having ran two half marathons so we can like lump them together and call it a halt um, <laughs> but you know people that run run distance you know marathons always talk about the wall um and pushing through the wall and i think that the wall exists in everything we do and never quitting is the most important piece of career advice you know, that I've, I've lived, I've witnessed, and I continue to hear from those that reach sort of the mountaintop of success within their, their sort of chosen fields. That's amazing. Absolutely fantastic. So never quit. Okay. Yeah, um, like like, I'm I, also going to say, I think we should, we're, we're now going to start a brand sign project running club. I, I run long distance Kingston and I, it was the first thing I thought of when you started describing about where, at which point you're, you you sort of contemplate giving up versus when you actually really are ready to give up. Yeah, and, I, and the distance between those two points is actually really massive. <laughs> yeah, and I think you know in this current climate we're all locked down at home. People have been working from home. People have been furloughed. You know, it can be a really challenging time 
for you know everyone's mental and physical well-being and I think you know for me part of what's carried me through um, a very abnormal period of seven or eight months is knowing that hey I've got this far I can get further I've overcome you know the the challenges and nuances of, of shared professional living. I've overcome those nuances of not seeing friends and family. So we can just keep going and, and we can keep pushing on. And, and obviously, you know, everyone's individual tolerance is, is different. And, you know, uh, at times when the, when the right moment is to, to stop and say, actually, I need, I need a hand with this. I need a bit of help um, or support or guidance. Um, then of course, reach out for that, but reach out to those coaches and mentors that will keep helping you become the best version of you that you can and that support network that will keep you moving forward. And I, I always chuckle at the quote um, that, that sharks die if they stop moving. Um, you know, so be a shark, keep moving. Um, at whatever pace it is, just keep moving. That's great. I, I just want to kind of um, pick it back on what you mentioned about networking, because I think that's so, so important, especially if you want to try and get into that. So kind of, kind of with your experience, what is the best way to network, um, especially during, during this period of time that we're in? Yeah, so I think we've all got an element of Zoom fatigue. So I'll start by saying, you know, first and foremost, um, be bold with how you network and connect with people and, and don't be afraid to, to find a groove that works for you. In terms of networking during this period and sort of what, what's working, what's worked for me, what's not worked for me, you know, this period and before, um, I think LinkedIn is a, is a critical tool. You know, um, I post little and often on LinkedIn because I like when I post for it to be of, you know, a value and a statement, not sort of like, hey, look at the pattern in my coffee at my desk today type post because I think people will gently switch off to that um, but I think you should should leverage LinkedIn even as a passive user you know scrolling reading reviewing following businesses connecting with businesses um, I think it's good to have your finger on the pulse when the time is right be bold jump in drop people a message um, you know give them a direct message let them know who you are why you want to connect with them and what you think connecting with them will will get you. Don't just send uh, a sort of a blank connection in the wind, sort of, you know, so-and-so from such and such a company would like to connect with you, but hasn't spoken to you. And I think, you know, treat LinkedIn like networking at a conference. You wouldn't just stand in front of somebody without speaking to them. So don't just connect with them without sort of putting a message to it. I think um, I mentioned sort of Zoom fatigue and sort of how best to benefit from keeping in touch with networking. You know, I'm a, I have my phone glued to my hand all the time. And Carlton will know if you message me on LinkedIn, it's probably going to go unread. Yeah. Um, you know, I check my LinkedIn. I'm, I'm a passive LinkedIn user and I do try to, when I can, get through my, my sort of in my LinkedIn mail. But I'm a big fan of people saying, hey, have you got a number? Can I drop you a WhatsApp or a text message? So for me, that works. Um, and it embeds that element of networking in with my sort of, you know, the platform I use to socially communicate. So I'm, I'm on it all the time. Um, so, yeah, find the communication method that works for you. Don't feel obliged to attend, you know, um, virtual conferences nonstop, you know, focus your energy. So if you are going to be on Zoom, be an active user in a conference. Don't just sit there with your camera off, you know, not participating, not listening. Don't tick a box, you know. When you sign up for a conference, know what you want to get out of it, do the right thing, and then review it afterwards, you know, live by the, live by the motto. Yeah, I think 
a lot of us were guilty initially in the, the first stage of lockdown that we signed up for a lot of things. There was a lot of content being thrown out mm-hmm. just pretty much continuously. You could have spent your, you know, every waking hour on some Zoom webinar of, you know, one sort of room there. And actually I, I got to a point where I was seeing the same people over and over again and I was hearing the same thing over and over again. And, you know, we were sort of, everyone was looking for a solution. Nobody had a solution. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I think you're right. If, I, if all of us could have done with a bit of a step back and thought, actually, what am I getting here? What am I giving my time to? And what am I getting out of it? And, and it goes back to that sort of, that whole concept of why I try to post sort of little and often, you know, be active when it matters mm. and then be active in the right places, you know. So if I do want to get in touch with someone, I'll drop them a text or I'll pick up the phone and I'll talk to them. You know, it's not letting uh, Zoom and email sort of rule our lives or other video conferencing platforms, as it were. <laughs> other, uh, other conferencing platforms are available. <laughs> yeah, other platforms are available, but not, yeah, not, they're not there to run our lives. They're there as enabling tools. And, you know, we should just always bear that in mind in this current climate. Yeah, I just, actually, you've just made me think, and I want to just tell a, a very quick story because I think it's, it's kind of relevant is that you said about finding communication tools that work for you is actually also figuring out what works for someone else but if you do want to really connect with somebody is that what you might find preferable might not necessarily work for that other person and try and figure something out I used to have a boss um and I used to have a boss just generally statement over um (laughs) but I used to sit um, I sat just outside of his office door. He, he was in the other side of the office. And we would do this thing where I, I would email him and he would talk to me through the door. And we figured out that basically he hates email and I hate being spoken to while I'm doing something. And we were both doing the thing that the other person hated <laughs> because that was how we wanted to be communicated to. So we got to a point where I would talk to him and he would email me. <laughs> And that worked because that was the way we, we, we sort of, you know, appreciated being contacted. But yeah, did you, it, it took us a long while to figure out why we wound each other up so much at that point. Because, you know, you just need to learn other people's contact preferences. And you're right, if, if someone likes talking to you via Twitter or via WhatsApp or LinkedIn or whatever, kind of meet them, meet them where they are and, and halfway. If you really want to connect with someone, it's really important. Yeah. It's um it, it's important now more than ever as well that we you know we do take on board other people's preferences you know we're w- work is invading our home spaces you know we're yeah. all we're all working from a space which usually we come to to decompress or to break away or we might work from home sort of one or two days a week so um, you know where people do have really clear contact preferences I think we should follow them I've I've got a tagline in my work email signature that says you know I'm working from home and alongside office hours I might be working early or late but I'll never expect a reply outside of your own office hours and it's my way of saying hey I might have emailed you at six in the morning or five in the morning I don't expect you to be here at five in the morning because I respect your your working time and your contact preferences but just so you know I like to sometimes work around the working day as well as through it. (laughs) Yeah, yeah, and I think that's so important. Like you say, well, work is invading our homes, and we need to be really conscious of not really sort of being fatigued by that. It's really important. And um, so that does that does bring us um, to 
I was trying to find a question, which is if we do want to get in touch with you, Kingston, where can we find you? Where's yeah, what am I? You find me at five o'clock in the morning on <laughs> the following platforms. <laughs> on Zoom. Uh, on Zoom, yeah. Open <laughs> webinar invite, five o'clock. Here's the meeting link. No. Um, so obviously LinkedIn, um, you know, Kingston Miles, Miles with a Y, so M-Y-L-E-S, and no E on Kingston. I've seen all sorts of, I have to say, before I go into contact preferences, just to close on a bit of humor, throughout the lockdown period, I've obviously a lot of communication has been by email. And despite the fact that my email address really clearly spells out my name, I've seen the best variations <laughs> on my own name, um, all the way to being emailed with, hey, Kingdom, and I was like, this is new. We'll take this one. <laughs> um, so, so, yeah. So, but no, you can find me on LinkedIn, Kingston Miles. Um, and obviously, you know, you know, message me on LinkedIn, but let me know why you're messaging, what you want to talk about. I'm, I'm really open to finding time, you know, at any point to, to support people who want to talk about the sector or what it's like to work in the sector or that think the sector might not be for them. But in actual fact, they could be, the, the golden piece of skill or knowledge that we're missing right now and you know totally happy then to, to link up with people on zoom if that works for them or you know by whatsapp if they just like a sort of casual chat to bounce ideas backwards and forwards awesome thank you thank you so much for taking your time and sharing your knowledge and with us today it's been absolutely inspiring um so thank you so much kingston and hopefully we'll see you soon yeah, definitely. Probably selling my no do review merch online somewhere. So watch, watch this space. I need the a book. t-shirt. I need a t-shirt. Definitely. Yeah.